0: Sound Tradition, where we examine the theology, practices, and traditions of the contemporary church. My name is Jason Shirk,
1: And I'm Lou Kitts.
0: And welcome to season three. Can you believe it's been three seasons that we've <laughs> When been did season doing this? two happen? I don't know. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we started in 2020, and so 2020 was first year, then 21 was second year. This is the beginning of season three in 2022. So it's it's been flying by. I can't believe we've been doing this th- that that long, so
1: when did we start what, Was it really
0: 2019 2020 was when we started 2020
1: I don't know, I don't know the exact date <clears throat> Yeah Well good uh, we'll, we'll just keep I don't know who's listening But we'll keep going <laughs> Hey I got a I got a dad joke for you Jason okay. So I was listening uh, was, I was listening to Yeah And, and then I lost My wife's audiobook. I'll never hear the end of it. Yeah.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I was I was getting over technical in my mind, thinking, "How do you lose an audiobook? It's on the internet." Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so, yeah. No,
1: li- uh, yeah, I'm not gonna explain the joke.
0: Yeah, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> so don't take things over literal like I do. Sometimes either, so, yeah. But it's been quite a while since we last recorded. Um, part of that was we took our winter break during the month of December, but when we came back we had a worship conference that we both went to at the beginning yeah. of the month.
1: <clears throat> Which we're going to talk about a little bit today. Yeah,
0: we kind of want to share some of the things that we learned from that. But on coming back, I came home and found out that my wife and kids all had COVID.
1: And then my family had been running around with his with family, my family yeah. <laughs> so, while we were gone. So <laughs> they're <was> all like... <laughs> at the
0: airport uh, pounding on glass windows, slapping yeah. COVID on the window while we're <laughs> pulling into the airport. That was pretty
1: cool that we came back and they had a whole bunch of handmade signs. They held up to them to like...
2: We yep. missed you, Daddy. Luke didn't.
0: Yeah. Luke didn't know this was going to happen. I had been told that it was going to happen, so I <laughs> pointed it out to Luke because Luke would have walked right on by all the kids. So. Yeah, <laughs> so, so, <laughs> I was like, "Oh,
2: look at that." But, yep.
0: <laughs> so it, it was. It was great. Even though they can't come into the gates and all that stuff, it was. It was still a good experience there. Yeah. But yeah, so my my kids had it. They were exposed to his kids, and then as the week progressed, I ended up getting COVID as well, and I was out uh, for about a. After yeah. That, you know? So it's it's been a little bit yeah. of time trying to get back into into yeah. recording our podcast. Like
1: Harvest Hills had the black plague for a couple of weeks. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, We're we we're,
0: were down quite a bit. But we we wanted to kind of pick up with that excitement that we had when we were at the worship conference. We want to kind of share some of those ideas that we had while we were there. And hopefully we're still passionate about that, we're still excited about that, even <laughs> I though it's been a couple weeks since I went back uh, and the, watched, the
1: and you guys can do this too, go to the mm-hmm. com, and you can re-watch, uh, you'll have to kind of scroll back down through the videos, but there's a, a button there you can click to watch the main sessions, and uh, I've been re-listening to those, and yeah. they were good.
0: Yep. Now, when when Luke and I were, were sent to the worship conference, we really came from two different perspectives. Luke was largely going to kind of get more of a practical sense for, okay, what are some good ideas for running a music program within the church? My perspective was a little bit more of the philosophic side of things. I wanted to know, okay, how do you set the tone for proper music within the church? How do you teach proper music within the church? And how do we understand this concept? And I'd, I'd been to music camp before at the Wilds, and it was a little bit different. I felt like at the Wilds, there was more of an emphasis on the practical. Right. Get up with Dave Parker and learn how to sing properly, or here, play, play this on piano. Let's have a bunch of choral sings, which we still had the choral sings. You know? Yeah, that but was there, pretty cool. Yeah. So. <laughs>
1: Except for the songs that were so hard, it's like everybody in there was like, uh, yeah, we, were, <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't keep up with it.
0: And and at at one point, it was like getting so late, we were running out of time to practice the songs, and we were rushing through with all very hard ones because they were saved for the yes. last. Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> but but uh, I felt like this conference had more of an emphasis on philosophy, especially yes. those those main <clears throat> sessions that we had, they were all geared around, okay, how should we think about conservative worship music? Yeah, that was
1: the main question was, I mean, it's called the Worship Conference, so every year it's going to be about music and worship, but they were really focusing on why should we have conservative, or why should we continue to conserve an an older way of doing music, you might say.
0: Right, and a lot of people in our audience may not understand all these concepts, so we kind of wanted to share some basics, today's uh, discussion, our talk that we're going to have, may be a little bit deeper than you're used to in approaching this topic, um, but we want to lay a foundation for music, and we'll kind of wow. we'll this will probably take us
1: is it. yes, yeah. It's probably going to take us a few podcasts to get yes. through all this.
0: Yeah, and then Luke and I, we were also asked to preach sermons on February the 6th, sharing some of the things that we learned from the conference, uh-huh. and I, I really felt like you can't really teach everything <laughs> no. in one message. So I limited myself to one concept, and because yeah. I limited myself to one concept, I feel like we need some other way to share get through, everything else. do all this, yeah. yeah. So that's that's kind of why we're we're starting this series of podcasts on biblical worship. Uh, the title for today's talk is "Is Beauty in the Eye of the Beholder?" Yeah,
1: everybody's heard that saying. Yeah, Beauty's I'm, in the eye of the beholder. And I is it true or not?
0: Yeah, I think for the most part, we all generally would accept this as as a truth in Mm-hmm. On the surface, when you think about it, like uh, talk about taste. Okay, um, one thing that I think of when I think of taste is food, obviously. Yeah. And our food tastes are different. I like really spicy food. I think Luke would probably be have a lower tolerance for heat. Not that he's against. I got spicy a little bit, food, but, but- <laughs> well,
1: I put it this way, I. I like spicy food. Spicy food doesn't like me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, spicy food doesn't always like me either. But <laughs> so I just have just have chosen not to limit what I eat. Because I have to. I, like it I so have much. To, I <laughs> have to ask: Is it worth it? You know, yeah. <laughs> by the way.
2: So yeah.
1: as far as whether or not this statement is true, I you don't know, if you go back to school, true or false questions. Mm-hmm. If that was you know exclusive to no other facts, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. We'd have to say false. I, but I'm going to say that the statement is true if you add a little bit more to it. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder if – yeah, I'm, I'm losing my, my track here.
0: <laughs> Luke and I are probably going to approach this question a little bit differently, I think, because I, yeah. I would say it's not in the eye of the beholder, and I'm going to define it. What What is in the way, eye of so. the beholder is <laughs> the not beauty, beauty.
1: but – Really comes down to your preference. Yes. Like there's still objective beauty, mm-hmm. but you can take your choice. And in in that sense, the thing that you're choosing, say, well, that's what I think is the most beautiful. Well, that's that's your preference, but mm-hmm. the, you're not changing whether or not something can or cannot be right. Beautiful. And
0: beauty, really, the the level of beauty is kind of like on a sliding scale. There are some things that are clearly ugly. They're not pleasing to the Lord. They're they're not according to that standard of beauty. And, but where I, where I probably would be a little bit more um, definitive than I think Luke is on this is that um, the appreciation of beauty doesn't have anything to do with his beauty no. objective.
1: Oh, no, I agree with that. So,
0: you know, that's, that's just my experience from beauty. And to be honest, our experiences are determined by how we were raised, by our appetites that we've developed because of what we mm-hmm. were fed. You know, I <clears> like spicy <throat> food because I lived overseas and ate spicy food a lot. But as far as music, if all you've listened to is country-western music, you're gonna have an appetite for country-western music. That mm. doesn't determine whether it's objectively beautiful or not, that just right. determines your taste. And, and taste, in that sense, is being used as, yeah. a, as that subjective preference for something. This is what
1: I wrote down as, <clears throat> we've all heard these things, subjective mm-hmm. and objective. You know, but just break that down a little bit more, it's really simple subjective means it's based on the subject. Right. So if Jason and I are looking at the same thing, let's say a spicy chicken sandwich,
0: that's the object. Mm -hmm. But I'm the subject. Jason's the
1: subject. I'm another subject. Jason looks at it and says, oh, that looks good. And I like that. And I look at it and I'm like, no, I'd rather have the not spicy one. Yeah. (laughs) That is really, it comes down to preference. Right. And it's okay to have preferences on something as the subject, but we're still saying objectively things have intrinsic beauty. Yeah. So that, that and that word intrinsic so
0: kind of we've kind of started with our lead here. So. Yeah,
1: well, this this really is the the whole philosophical point because for Christians, when it comes down to this idea of worship mm-hmm. and music, there was there's been this idea that's kind of started back in what was it the 70s with the uh, 18
0: 1878 is the is where beauty became subjectified. If you if you want to I go was, back, to I was I was just going to yeah. say the CCM, but movement. in the CCM movement, <laughs> yes,
2: yeah, so. this
1: idea amongst Christians that there is no objective. Standard for music, right. it's just as long as it's you like it. As long as it's you know the message, as long as the words are good and pleasing to God, then musically, it's all subjective.
0: Right, and it's kind of interesting that really Christians are the only ones saying that. Yes, secular, <laughs> secular musicians have always accepted that music without the words carries a message, and that mm-hmm. it has moral value. I mean, the founders of rock and roll specifically said our music is sex, or yes. our music is intended to incite rebellion. You know, in the culture. Yeah. And that that was something they took for granted. And musicians today, they know those truths. That's why they perform their music. Because mm-hmm. they want to have, send out a message in the first right. place,
1: you know. So if something has intrinsic beauty that, <clears throat> I just put down the definition of the word intrinsic. Mm-hmm. Belonging to the essential nature of a thing. Occurring as a natural part of something. So what we're stating, and we're going to look at some Bible verses here in a second. That makes them definitive. Statements about the intrinsic beauty of God—it's not that's not subjective. It's not well. Christians think God's beautiful, but heathen might not think God's beautiful. Mm. It's a statement of of fact that in His very nature He's beautiful. I skipped over reading. I I think this was a great little note that uh, uh, Pastor Harding put in one of his. It's about a chess game. This is a short paragraph. Let me read this paragraph real quick. I don't know how to say his last name. Miguel Nadorf? Nadorf. Nadorf? Nadorf, Nadorf Sorry, okay. I'm, a,
0: I'm a chess buff. So
1: Miguel, <laughs> yeah, so, Miguel right. Nadorf. Yep. He was a Polish chess grandmaster, and he received a brilliancy prize for a chess victory, which has, become, has come to be known as the Polish Immortal. That's a cool name. The Polish <laughs> Immortal. A relatively short game of 22 moves, containing diverse combinations of play with seven sacrifices. If you don't know chess, that means he deliberately lost pieces. Right by Nadorf, i said it wrong again. <laughs> Nadorf leading through a series of forced moves on his opponent's part meaning he forced that person to give up their pieces. They didn't choose to, they, he made them do it. Culminating in a crushing checkmate, 22 moves. This particular chess game is truly beautiful. Now why is it beautiful? Is it because it, the pieces are colorful? Is it because the <laughs> chessboard was made well? Yep, the That's car, a beautiful carpenter the, the pieces. That was a beautiful <laughs> chess game. Yep. Uh not it had nothing to do with color anything based off sight other than watching it. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful because of the logical coherence and the variety and the combinations of force, time, and space within the principles of the game of chess.
2: Right.
1: So why would we somebody look at that game and can objectively say? That's beautiful. There is no subjectiveness to it. It's not, well, I think that was a terrible game. Yes. <laughs> there, there, there is no other option than to say it had inherent beauty, intrinsic beauty, because of how masterfully it was done.
0: Right. And in, in the arts, we have what we call the transcendent value, values or virtues, mm-hmm. um, one of those being truth, another being morality or goodness, and then you have beauty. Those are our transcendent truths. And when it comes to the nature of truth we would all say that as at least as evangelical believers we we would agree that truth is objective okay. there is there's is a standard for truth god is that standard for truth and just as a reference point you can look at uh, john 14 verse 6 jesus says i am the way the truth and the life so where does truth find its source it finds its source in God. And how many truths are there? <clears throat> it's the truth. One. <laughs> yeah, one, one source of truth. And I think, like like I said, most evangelicals, we, we take this for granted. But not everybody in the world does. You have progressive Christianity. You have the lost world that believes that that's just your truth, right? Yeah, that's so, very much in our culture today. Your
1: yes. your truth.
0: And I, I think of it like I could believe that I have the ability to breathe underwater without any special devices. I have the superpower. <laughs> like maybe I grew gills yeah. or something, you know. So you can drop me off in the middle of the ocean. What's going to happen?
1: You'll live your truth for about two minutes. <laughs> for, if, if that, yeah. So, yeah. Without
0: the aid of some breathing device, I'm going to die. I'm going to drown yeah. because the objective truth of the ocean is I can't breathe under the water. Right. right. And that—that that is just a glimpse of this concept that there is an objective truth. You yeah. can't deny objective truth because objective truth is found in God himself.
1: Yeah. One of the things that makes this so hard, though, is because... It's not as easy to define. It's not just black and white. It's not you can't just you know like you look at an apple tree and you see mm-hmm. apples that that is an apple tree. That's easy. Right. We're yeah, trying a lot to, of we're it is to define our the understanding you know.
0: of, of objective truth is the issue. You know. So.
1: There was a uh, a man who spoke. He actually spoke from was it China or Japan? It's Japan. It was China. He's in China.
0: Yeah, he's in he's in uh, Hong Kong. I think. Yeah. Hong he
1: Kong. was supposed to come, but he ended up not being able to come. So we actually recorded ahead of time, and we, we watched his recording. And he was talking about the field of aesthetics, and mm-hmm. uh, it most of it was, went over my head. Honestly, yeah. I was like, <laughs> what's he? What did he say?" <laughs> but, but in general, just there is a, and I think it's more of a Eastern thing than a Western thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are people who are philosophizing and studying what makes things beautiful. Why are they beautiful? Mm-hmm. And really, what we're talking about right here. And what I thought was so fascinating about it was this is these are you know not necessarily people who are using the Bible they're just using logic and a lot of that's these people are coming to the people. same secular same people they're religious. coming to the same conclusion that we're that we've already been to
2: mm-hmm.
1: I've, there's a there's a quote I don't know if you've got the quote there and somebody made about it uh it was it was he said it and read the quote I was like that's a great quote and I wish I would looked it up now <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. but basically saying this was from hundreds of years ago that the philosophers have come to the same conclusion that theologians were already at, at
0: yes a long time ago but yeah. well, we've moved away and they've come back <laughs> right so, yeah.
1: well you, yeah. you know our culture has moved away from God right. you know very very I think it's one of the reasons why the music has gone the way it went because there is no God we can do whatever we want but now they after doing whatever you want for a while you're like oh I can't breathe underwater yes, <laughs> you know, yeah. you start, and you're like okay well what is the truth and then they're they're coming back around to it.
0: Yeah, and when, when you look at those transcendent values, again, truth, the objective truth, again, we, we accept that. And then as a Christian, we also accept objective morality, right? Because we know right and wrong, God defines right, what's right and wrong. And, I mean, that's the whole point of the law in the Old Testament was to say, okay, this is good, this is bad, and how people discern that. That was based on God's standard mm-hmm. of morality, and that has not changed over time. That's not just subjective, no. like, okay— I feel I can commit adultery because I love this person, and so love mm-hmm. overrides that. No, that's objectively morally wrong, you know. Right. And, and we we accept that as a Christian, objective truth, objective morality, but so often we we deny objective beauty, and that's that's where we've got to start with mm-hmm. this discussion. Is there an objective standard for what is beautiful within the yeah. realm of arts?
1: So we've got these <clears throat> three points by. Uh, Dwayne Lindsay. What does the F stand for? What's that first? I don't know. I don't know his first name. <laughs> F so. F Dwayne Lindsay. A yeah. Christian. This is a kind of a Christian perspective on this on idea of aesthetics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He identified three qualities, and I thought these are really would be good to point out.
0: They're a very good place to start with when you're trying to understand aesthetics. Yeah. So
1: it, it, these would be concrete rules across all cultures, mm-hmm. across all preferences that are going to be true. Universal standards. Universal absolutely. standards of beauty. Yeah. So number one is unity or integrity right he said a well-knit uh internal unity completeness yep. or wholeness it's like a painting it's like if you had a uh, picasso i don't like picasso just, <laughs> i think his are, I, I see here he go. <laughs> yeah I, I, know. That's, <laughs> see, that's I think his yeah. stuff yeah. is yeah. weird yep. well, well let's just let's just stay with picasso yeah he makes a painting and he has another painting that's half finished mm-hmm. which one's better yeah the one that's finished you know it, right. it's it has whole. And it and it has a unity in design and color palette. Right. You and know. Mark,
0: Mike Harding, he he expanded on this a little bit, where he talked about it's unity without monotony as well. Mm-hmm. It's like a, a drop <laughs> yeah. of water going blum, 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 over and over and over again. That's not too beautiful of a sound. It drives no. you crazy, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> without monot- without any tell- var- variance or any change to it. yeah.
1: Right, but we I think most people would agree. Well, let's you know take something else. Uh, you know, Jason and I are both men. We're both married, and you know, men look at women, and God designed it for men to be attracted to women based off of beauty. At least that's part of the case.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: If if a woman's missing half her body, that's probably going to affect. <laughs> It'll her, affect her. our
0: yes, yeah. And it's not it's not to say that they don't have beauty as well, because you think right. of like the paraplegic or something like that. That's there's, true. There's still there's still beauty there, but it has been. You have to admit it has right. been marred. By deformities yes and like that. I,
1: I'm, yeah. I'm coming at completely from a yeah. just logical <laughs> standpoint. I'm, I'm listening to my own thought, and I'm like, oh, that could sound terrible. <laughs> just like, you just <laughs> said that anybody that's missing a leg or something. No, no, I'm not. That's why Jason's here
0: to balance, his, uh, <laughs> to balance
1: Jason. So. <laughs> from a completely logical standpoint, mm-hmm. you know, things that are have unity and um, wholeness, wholeness and them. completeness yeah. is something that, is a standard for beauty mm-hmm. number two is uh said proportion or harmony an orderly harmonious relation and arrangement of the parts and i, I put a little note in mine i said children do this poorly <laughs> 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 Have you yeah. ever gotten a drawing from your children that mm. it's not harmonious right the, the, my the, kids
0: drawings not so harmonious i will say that, though that they are they are really right now picking up the ability to sing but to harmonize by ear Yes.
1: <laughs> well, that depends. Some of that depends on intrinsic ability yes, that God yeah. gives people. But you know, have you seen those videos of what if the things kids drew were real in were real, real life? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's some funny because like an elephant, and somebody went into a a computer generator and mm-hmm. they generated an elephant that was all out of proportion. Well, there's like and... a
0: company that'll actually make a doll out of what they drew. So <gasps> that would be kind of freaky. But yeah. But <laughs> so... well, what's the
1: problem? They're they're out of proportion. They're mm-hmm they they they're all head and all mouth and all right. teeth and it's like whoa what is yes. that monstrosity yes. why why is that not beautiful mm-hmm. well it's subjective it's you know i yeah. think it's beautiful you know we all <laughs> look at that and say that is not harmonious right. that is not
0: yeah and and Mike Harding he expounded on this one again as saying that this is diversity without chaos mm-hmm. so there's there's variety but there but it doesn't lead us to this chaotic anything goes haphazardness which i think
1: is do. kind of the yeah. way our music has, has been not even christian music just in the world, I'm not saying we have to go all the way back to box rules of you know yeah. four or five hundred <laughs> years, years ago, yeah. but we we've said there are no rules and we've seen how how weird and crazy it gets. It's like okay, maybe maybe there is some intrinsic yes. rules we need to think about.
0: Yeah, it's it's kind of funny. Like they were talking about a book called Worship Wars by an independent fundamental Baptist in Australia. It's become very popular in independent Baptist circles who are now rejecting uh, conservative worship music. Right, um, and in his his truth, he's saying even, but even even though music is subjective and all this stuff, uh, we would all agree that uh, death metal music probably shouldn't be used in the church. You know? so, you <laughs> well. Know. How can you say that? If <laughs> I know you're <laughs> contradicting your own point. So. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, that like I said, it, some, to some degree, we've had no definitive way of saying how do we decide whether what are the what what are these basic rules, yeah. and if you have to either throw them all out or mm-hmm. we or we need to maybe have a conversation. What yeah, there are hasn't these?
0: not been any education really. Yeah, yeah.
1: and because we're ignorant, it makes it really hard to. It's like, well, I don't like that song. I don't think we should have it in church. That's not really a good enough answer for people. So there's one more. Number three. Where's number three in my notes? Oh, there it is. Splendor. Mm -hmm. Splendor. What does that mean? A definite capacity for manifesting its pattern. These. uh, Oh, I'm. Stay right there. A definite capacity for manifesting its pattern. Because what what defines chaos from order? There has to be some kind of pattern.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, have you ever seen? Uh, I'm I'm going back to paintings again, but those paintings it looks like a drop cloth from uh, the floor with a whole bunch of drops on it, and then they pull up and say, "Oh, look at this beautiful thing." Mm-hmm. And I would, say, to my mind, I said, "Well, that's just chaotic." Uh, mm-hmm. Or you could just, or if you just let a child, or you let a they've let you know monkeys give monkeys a painting and let them paint, and it's just this, like, what is it? There's no discernible to pattern happen. to it at all.
0: Yeah, and all, all of these points, that he didn't just pull them out of thin air say, well, I like unity, so this is my point that I'm going to right. put in there. They're based on who God is, ultimately. And again, we're going to get into the Bible verses for this in a second. But if you think about doctrine, the doctrine of God, I just talked about in our small group yesterday, actually, we dealt with the doctrine of the Trinity. Okay, well, what is the doctrine of the Trinity? It is the oneness of God in three persons. Mm-hmm. so in that in that one doctrine, you have two of these principles already: you have unity, the unity of God, and yet you still have diversity mm-hmm. because you have the three persons within that Godhead: the Father, the Son, and the holy ghost those are the, Those are those first two principles, and then the concept of splendor is god 's greatness god 's majesty in who He is, but you want to tie it into that repeated pattern idea. I think of the song. You are always good, you are only good. You are always mm-hmm. good to me. The idea, God mm-hmm. is always good. That's a pattern of his character. It's he never fails. Yeah. We might <clears throat> we might on the surface look at something bad that happened and say, Well, that's a violation of that because something right. bad happened. <laughs> but God has a way of working the bad for the good. And and right. that and so God is always good even in the bad that we see on yeah. the surface.
1: The song is still being written yes, <laughs> of yes. our life. It's yeah, not. Yeah, and we've
0: talked about this before. The pattern. <laughs> the pattern. When you look at it on one side, it's chaotic. Flip it over, it, it's a beautiful picture that God's weaving, and we just don't know what right. that, what that full picture is. Yeah.
1: But yeah, but all, and that that really was. Uh, I only got to hear the main mm-hmm. uh, sermon that Pastor Harding did, but Jason got to go to the other one. But I thought his presentation was really good. He went down through. Philippians four, what is it? Seven. 4? In the first one, yes. Yeah. The first one. Which things are true? That passage. Which things are honest? Which things are true? Mm-hmm. Which things are a good report? Which, yeah. uh, lovely. I mean, I, I think in we'll, order. we'll probably um. <laughs> deal with that
0: in more detail in another in another podcast because I do want to delve into to yeah. that aspect of it as well. But,
1: but I mean, let's let's do some Bible verses yes, here. Yes. Yeah.
0: Uh, and if you, if I have ones you don't have, I'll just throw them in afterwards. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs>
1: Uh, Job 40, verses 9 and 10. Hast thou an arm like God, or canst thou thunder with a voice like him? Deck thyself now with majesty and excellency, and array thyself with glory and beauty. Psalm 8, verse 1. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name on all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens.
0: Let me me jump in real quick. So it's easy to come up with these references if Mm -hmm. you look for the word beauty, but however, beauty is not used... In every single one of right. these references, so I did a word study, and the Hebrew words used for beauty, also are majesty, glory, honor, there's uh, splendor, there's uh, the ornament of something. Mm-hmm. You know, those are all words that that are synonyms that are used in the semantic range for this word beauty. Right. Yeah. There's and a lot ex- of them. excellence was the one in that verse. That's why. <laughs> yeah. I just did, yeah.
1: Give you the, no, that's a good point to to yeah. put in there. Uh, There's a lot in Psalms. I, I trimmed it way down. Psalm 45, 2 and 4. Thou, art, 2 through 4. Thou art fairer than the children of men. Grace is poured into thy lips. Therefore, God hath blessed thee forever. And then, uh, O most mighty with thy glory and majesty. Verse 4. And in thy majesty ride pros- prosperously because of truth and meekness and righteousness. Skip down to Psalm 145, 10 through 12. All thy works shall praise thee, O Lord. Thy saints shall bless thee they shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom and talk of thy power. And then down to end of verse 12, and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. It's not just Psalms. You got Isaiah, a couple in Isaiah. Isaiah twenty-four fourteen. they shall lift up their voice and they shall sing for the majesty of the Lord and shall cry aloud from the sea. And then twenty-six ten. let favor be showed to the wicked, yet will he not learn righteousness? And well, my notes got mixed up there. And uh, yeah, let's... Oh, at the very end of the verse. And will not behold the majesty of the Lord. I mean, uh, over and over and over again. we got Zechariah, Chronicles. Mm -hmm. It's all through the Bible.
0: And then I got got a couple more that I wanted to add in here. Psalm 27, verse 4. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold, what? The The beauty beauty of of the the Lord." Lord. And to inquire in his temple. And then Psalm 96, verse 6. Honor and majesty are before him strength and beauty are in his sanctuary so beauty is in god's presence it's in his sanctuary right. and then uh isaiah 28 verse 5 In that day shall the lord of hosts be for a crown of glory and for a diadem of beauty unto the residue of his people god is our glory and god is our beauty according to that one now i found a, another verse while i was doing my word study on this that actually comes from the apocrypha so as independent <laughs> baptists we don't have this in our bible but Orthodox churches, Catholic churches, they might have it. And when you approach the Apocryphal books, it's important to understand that they aren't considered to be divine scripture, but that it doesn't mean they aren't important Jewish writings. And this is reinforced by the fact that many of the New Testament authors quoted the Apocrypha. Yes. They quoted verses from that, especially in the book of Hebrews. You'll find a lot of quotes from the Apocrypha. That doesn't, and again, that doesn't put a blanket seal on all of them, but it is saying (laughs) that those concepts that they quoted were true and were right, and the Jews held these books in high esteem, even though they didn't view them as in Scripture. So this is from the book, The Wisdom of Solomon, Uh, 13 verse 3 says, with whose beauty, if they being delighted took them to be gods, let them know how much better the Lord of them is, For uh, for the first author... Of beauty, hath created them. This verse affirms that God is the first author of beauty. He's the creator of beauty. And you think back to creation. God created this world, and what did He say mm-hmm. about it? He said, "It is good." And th- that word "good" in that case is not—is m- yep. it morally good? Was that <laughs> what He was talking about? No, He's talking about beauty. He's talking about the majesty yeah. of what He had created.
1: And I don't know. Not everybody's a Christian, but. You know, we're saying that from the very creation itself, the Bible says that God laid out an order mm-hmm. to everything. And the reason we think things are beautiful is because God thinks they're beautiful right. because He made it that way. And there and there are objective ways to to measure that.
0: Right, and those things were a manifestation of His character, His who yes, he is, His nature, because He yeah. is that beauty.
1: Yeah, everything spins back to yeah. God as the source.
0: Now, I, I had some other verses that, I, that kind of dealt with a slightly different topic, but still dealt with the beauty here. And that is the tie between beauty and holiness. So holiness, is if we were to define holiness, it literally means to cut or to separate, right? Yeah. And when we talk about God's holiness, it, it talks about his separateness from creation, meaning he's not the same thing as us, right? right? God is different than us. But it also refers to the fact that he is separated from sin, right? And uh, so when you when you approach worshiping God and you approach the topic of beauty, there's some other verses that deal with this connection. Second Chronicles 20 verse 21: The priests were commanded to sing God's praise in the beauty of holiness. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord, and that should praise the beauty of holiness. Okay, so they're they're praising the beauty of holiness. Another one is Psalm 29 verse 2 says, give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name, and then worship the Lord, how? In the beauty of holiness. So there's a way we are to worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And that, that kind of ties in with the last one here, that there is a holy way that we should worship God, that manifests that beauty, that, that glory, that majesty of God. Psalm 138, verse 5. Yea, they shall sing in the ways of the Lord. For great is the glory of the Lord. And this verse is making a contrast with the ways of the heathen. This is the ways of the Lord that they will sing. And why? what is the basis for the ways of the Lord? For great is the glory of the Lord. It's his beauty. It's his majesty. His splendor that motivates the way that we sing. That we worship the Lord. Yeah,
1: I would think. Uh one of the biggest things that I took away, but you know besides the practical was the worthiness of God, and he is worthy of our best, mm-hmm. meaning everything should be excellent mm-hmm. and I feel like that you know just across the board in our culture, Christian or not, excellence has fallen by the wayside uh we're just not the artistic people we once were <laughs> right.
0: and and i think part of it is some some circles that have emphasized excellence have also drifted into professionalism yes which is not the same thing as excellence excellence is the professionalism plus the heartfelt motivation behind right. it you can't have you can't have true excellence true beauty without also an admiration and a worship and, and an a right. of the thing that is beautiful
1: and there is something to be said for that because the the professional in the secular, you know, they're getting paid, yeah, and they're spending. <laughs> you know, they're you know, we're we're you know, maybe in some of our small churches, we're we're working hard, and then we're going to church, and then we're trying to find time to practice. Yeah. I'm not saying <laughs> if you're not putting out a professional sound yes, yeah. that you should never. <laughs> yeah. But we well, should strive. God's worthy yeah. of yeah. of your best, and if you if you didn't do a professional grade, then just forget it. Right, I'm not saying that, but I so there was a statement made. I forget who said it. One of the speakers, but he was just. It made him sad. He's like, why, "Why can't Christians have the passion that sec- uh, secular people do? You know, the se- f- they're just doing it for the money. Yeah. So why can't we have a passion for making something excellent to offer to God mm. because He's worthy of that? Yes. Yeah. So that's not. It's not really about the level of quality. It's more about." the passion in your heart if you're if you if you're just doing it because well somebody's got to do it (laughs) you know then something's wrong there
0: so i want to circle back around to the question that we started with um give a couple quotes related to that and then uh, then we'll tie this a little bit more tightly to the concept of music in particular but the question was is beauty in the eyes of the beholder and uh Mike Harding concluded that beauty must be determined by the objective character of God and not by the subjective impulses of unregenerate men who have resisted the common grace of God. Mm. So our standards of beauty have to be in God and not in what the world says, not in even what our tastes say, because that elevates us over God. But then Mike Harding did a lot of research into the writings of Jonathan Edwards because... Jonathan Edwards. Some people, the only thing you know about him is sinners <laughs> in the hands of an angry yeah. God. You know, and so you think wrath and hellfire. You know, and even I think it was uh, uh, what's his name, uh, the guy who wrote uh, Tom me. Sawyer. What was his name?
1: Oh, oh, did you, uh,
2: did you, <laughs> Samuel Twain, Clemens, Mark, Mark Twain. Mark Twain. Right?
0: Okay. So even people like that, they looked at Edwards and they're like, "Oh, he's just hateful." You know. I just want everybody to know this <laughs> so, that
1: I n- knew an author that Jason. Oh, I forgot. knew his real
0: name though. I did come up with a real name. I just <laughs> forgot the fake one. See, this, this will never happen. <laughs> so, <laughs> this will never
1: happen again. Yep. Jason's the bookworm, not me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but but Edwards spent a lot of his life extolling the virtues and the the beauty of God. In one of his books, *The Nature of Virtue*, he said. God is the foundation and fountain of all being and all beauty from whom all is perfectly derived and on whom all is most absolutely and perfectly dependent of whom and through whom and to whom is all being and all perfection and whose being and beauty is as it were the sum and comprehension of all existence and excellence. Much more than the sun is the fountain and suprema- <laughs> summary comprehension of all the light and the brightness of the day so that's a big long quote you yeah. can unpack it but he, but key thoughts here is god is the source the foundation of beauty and he is all he's not just the source of beauty he's the source of all that is all that all that it is the perfection of it the the sum existence of beauty and excellence is all found in god himself
1: yeah. you know what else mark twain said Famous, famously. <laughs> this is not
0: Mark Twain here. So, <laughs> <Go ahead>, so. <laughs> what Mark Twain say?
1: Mark Twain, he was asked if uh, he believed in infant baptism. Mm-hmm. He said, "Believe it. I've seen it done.
0: I've seen it done." Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, it has
1: nothing to do with. It, yeah. it just came to my mind.
0: But. So, as as it relates to music, I think a lot of times the Christian seeks to make music subjective because they don't want to submit to the message of good biblical music and. C.S. Lewis actually commented on this. The first demand art makes on us is to surrender. Art mm-hmm. without words—I mean, art—I art, mean, art can include words, but art without words demands something of us. It demands us to surrender to the message that it is trying to communicate. Music yes. communicates, um, and honestly, the people who deny this are just <laughs> willingly, willingly blind of truth because. Yeah. Hollywood has pumped billions of dollars into the soundtrack industry to create yes. a feeling and motivate people. Now I have a clip that I want to play for you guys. I'll, I'll drop this in later on but I've already played it for Luke. But it's a <laughs> clip of what we call the Nightmare Machine. Now as you listen to this, tell me that that doesn't make you feel creeped out.
1: There's the rulers. The reverb tank.
0: The Ebo. A normal instrument,
1: you're you're playing it, and you're expecting it to have a sound that is pleasing. But with an instrument like this, the goal is to just produce sounds that, in this case, are disturbing.
0: It doesn't convey a message. It doesn't stir up an emotional response now messages and feelings have moral value to them Mm -hmm. okay there are some emotions that are morally wrong um and it uh, again it depends on context a lot of times so like anger i could be angry at um somebody who just dinged my car and get out of my car and beat them up on the side of the street is that a good emotion at that moment
1: uh just the emotion at that moment at that moment it's good
0: beating the guy up for dinging my no car. no okay so, yeah. just
1: just the emotion of anger okay yeah not so, not the beating him up that's, right but the, that the is circumstance in uh,
0: which the anger has come is morally wrong at that right. point and that's where god says put off anger and all these different things okay so there is there is a moral badness to anger in that circumstance and yet there is another circumstance where okay god's been blasphemed mm-hmm. i have righteous indignation about that that is that is a good circumstance for anger but there you can't deny that morality is tied mm-hmm. with your feelings, not just the words that come out of your mouth, but the things that you yeah. feel in your heart. When you have lust after a woman with your eyes and your heart inside. Yeah, that's a moral sin, a feeling that you're feeling. feelings
1: are intended to goad you into action. Right. Yes. And so a lot of times, OK, well, you have to ask more than this question about the feeling It's say, like, what caused the feeling mm-hmm. and which direction is that feeling pushing you? The feeling yeah. itself is not really a sin. Is it a sin to be angry? It's where it's pushing you? That's yeah. What well, you gotta be yeah. careful. Mm-hmm. And this is really why we're, we we talk about music about being careful because it can push you places you don't want to yes. go.
0: Yeah, and the music in- industry accepts this. It is, yes. no, it is not a debated topic. That's why they. That's why Chick Fil A spends so much money to come up with 135 or no 300 and some new songs for their audio playlists in their lobbies <laughs> right now that they just rolled out with. Because they know that music motivates people. And yeah. I've, looked, I've looked at the article. chick fil as like, we want happy and, and upbeat music and stuff like that. You know, because they want you to be excited and happy when you come into Chick-fil-A. Yeah. You know, yeah. it conveys an emotional response. So.
1: so I think a lot of Christians would agree with that. Mm-hmm. But when, if you want to make the rubber meet the road on this whole, you know, about beauty being the eye of the beholder. Say, what, you know, music that we are... Particularly in church, this, that's really the whole question. We're talking about mm-hmm. praising God, you know, with our music. What makes it beautiful? And some people, yes. you know, it's a, to some degree, it's a different question than, it is what, different is, than what, what is what is moral thinking, yeah. and immoral. Yeah. But people would disagree and say, "Oh, I think this. That, I don't think rock, any any genre of rock music is beautiful, personally." But some people say, "Oh, you know, I, I just love it, and God must love it too." And so we're we're saying we, we think if we apply some of these yeah, metrics to just yeah. to, to some genres of music, it can be pre- some some genres are easier than others, but some it's really gets clouded and gray, and that's because why it's, why it's and that's why there's that's why this issue is hard to deal with because you can't just give a Bible verse, you can't just give a clear, you know, there's well, why is this genre bad? Why is that song bad? It's like, yeah. Well, you know, and then you have to get into it, right?
0: And and as far as aesthetics go there's more study that needs to be done on what those universal standards. It's not just classical music that determines what is beautiful. There is a universal aesthetic that we need to understand. And we've given you three points that you could take and you could start studying. The unity, the diversity, and the splendor concepts in the aesthetics. Now, I know some people will will also argue um, the concept of taste again. oftentimes we define taste incorrectly. Taste, according to Merriam-Webster's Dictionary, is the power or practice of discerning and or or enjoying whatever constitutes excellence, especially in the fine arts. Mm -hmm. In the realms of arts and beauty, taste is the power to discern beauty from ugliness. Right. That's ultimately what, and, and, and from excellence. That's ultimately what it comes down to. So it's not you it's right. your ability to discern what is objectively out yeah. there to be beautiful. We've we've turned
1: healthy. we've turned taste into meaning whatever i like. Yeah. But that leaves the logical out and mm-hmm. it and if and it leaves out the fact that taste can be corrupted. Yes. You know just yeah. you know take take food for example, you know. I I've gone back and forth between giving up pop. <laughs> There's times I've given it up and I've gone back to it. But if you give up pop for a long time, you know, uh, ma- Mountain Dew you you stop you don't have as strong a desire for it and if you go back and drink it it's like it's like a punch in the gut it's like well, this is so strong yeah. how did I how did I just sit down and drink a whole bottle of this yeah, at yeah and I've
0: recently experienced this like I've switched to Dr Pepper Zero because I want the no calories you know so yeah. and it, and it tastes good to me but every now and then when it wasn't available I've grabbed a regular Dr Pepper and it's like so sweet mm-hmm. you know but I would have I would have imbibed that constantly mm-hmm. before but right. my taste has changed because uh-huh. What I've habituated myself to. And I think to be able to I think, a, think
1: the a, same thing yeah. is true with music. It's mm-hmm. you can you can develop your taste. Something like oh I don't like that. You know, a lot, I've heard I have a lot of people tell me this. You know I don't like classical. It's so boring. Well their their taste has been so diluted by, I call it the junk food of music,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that's that's what they want because that's what their taste has been corrupted to. But right. it, this definition mm-hmm. of taste is it brings in the logical and discerning. Yes.
0: Now, one last argument we'll deal with is some people might say, well, all those references, those were Old Testament references. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I've heard this, this, and they'll say, this doesn't apply to the New Testament believer. That's just for the Old Testament Jews, maybe, okay? And I am not going to deal with it in depth tonight. On February 6th, Luke and I will both be preaching. Um, I'll be preaching in the morning at Harvest Hills Baptist Church in Yukon, Oklahoma. Which is and, not
1: this Sunday, but next Sunday. Yes, so we'll have another yeah. Wednesday to.
0: Yeah, and Luke Luke will be dealing with it in the evening. Um, and what I'm going to try to approach is uh, largely this concept. Um, do, does this mean that because it's Old Testament, it has nothing to do with the believer? Um, but if you think about it, just briefly, has God changed? Has God's standard of beauty changed? Did God Did God's glory change? Did the manner in which worshiping him matches holiness change? None of that has changed. Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God has not changed in His character, mm-hmm. in His nature, and this beauty, this concept of beauty, derives from who God is. And if God hasn't changed, then God's yeah. beauty has not changed either.
1: So. I'm I'm angling more towards sorry a little bit about the practical, mm-hmm. but also just talk about what does the New Testament say? What is the purpose of music mm-hmm. in the church? What are we? Wh- why are we using music in the church? What is its purpose? And kind of God's worthiness.
2: So we invite you guys to come
0: join us February sixth, if you want to kind of pick up on those topics with us. We probably won't deal with them during the podcast because we are preaching on the, right at church. <laughs> so maybe
1: we yeah. should uh, take those, take take those <laughs> recordings and we could uh, of our messages and we could drop it into the podcast. We too. could, yeah, we can do that for those who can't come.
0: <laughs> so as always, grace and peace be with you. And we invite you to if you've enjoyed the podcast, go ahead and like and subscribe and. Uh, honestly give us a review on apple podcasts that helps spread the word even if you take our links in facebook and you share them on your page that lets other people know that we exist and it helps just get other people listening we don't we don't do this for any money we're only getting a penny per listen so it's not the money we do, we do this because we feel there is an important message that needs to be brought oh. out there ultimately sound tradition is about preserving the good traditions that we have within the independent fundamental Baptist movement, mm-hmm. for the most part, and discerning the ones that were unbiblical. Yeah,
1: yeah analyzing analyzing our traditions. Are they sound? And and here we talk about music. Is what yeah. has been passed down to Jason and I is it sound? And that's yes. we're going to keep going. Probably two or three more weeks.
0: Okay. <laughs> you all. Uh, you're dismissed. You. I thought you were going to say you're dismissed. <laughs> yeah, we'll come up with something
2: else. later. <laughs>